0: Horrified. That was the word Jane Goodall used in Innocent Killers to describe her reaction when she witnessed spotted hyenas eating their prey alive. While studying the behavior of predators near the Ongorongo crater in Tanzania, she saw hyenas dismantling a wildebeest, which continued to bawl for three minutes while the hyenas brawled with each other running off with pieces of gut, giggling. Hyenas have even been known to bite off and eat pieces of a prey animal while it's still running. They generally need no such tactics against human beings. As is the case with most carnivores, preying on humans is a minority pursuit for the spotted hyena, but those that do take up this activity excel at it. In 1995, a 25-year-old California woman was attacked while on an educational camping expedition to Kenya with 19 other foreigners. The hyena tore through the tent where she and three others slept. The Jewish Bulletin of Northern California quotes her as follows. The first thing I remember is just this animal landing on my arm. Everyone was screaming. It was biting my arm over and over again. I thought it was a baboon or monkey because its hands were so human, gripping my arm as it bit at my elbow. It was holding on to me, and I couldn't get it off. She then heard the hyena biting her face. It is the sound specifically that she remembers, followed by the feel. My whole face just came open. The hyena dragged her out of the tent. Its ambition was foiled by a local man who stabbed it through the eye. The hyena did not at first find this discouraging. Oceanic White-Tip Shark In 1972, professional divers Rod Temple, Robbie McIlvain, and Brett Gilliam set out to adjust some scientific gear and take photos on a reef near Saint Croix. As they worked, a pair of white tips approached them. The divers often swam among sharks and didn't panic at the sight of these, but they did find it unusual to see white tips only a few hundred yards from shore. They knew the species as aggressive, so they kept an eye on them. When it was time to surface, the process had to be slow. The men had dived deep, and they needed to decompress. Gilliam and McIlvain came up to a depth of 175 feet and rested on a ledge of the reef, waiting for Temple. He took longer than expected. Then the two saw air bubbling up. They assumed Temple's equipment was giving him a problem. Gilliam went down to help him, sending McIlvain up. Gilliam found Temple fighting for his life. One of the white tips, a 12-footer, had torn a handful of flesh from Temple's leg. At that depth, his blood billowed out green. The second shark bit him on the same leg, even as Gilliam tried to pull him free. Temple raked at the gills and eyes of his attackers. Gilliam punched them. They ate pieces of flesh, even as the men fought them. Then, both sharks let go, and Gilliam pulled his friend up the reef. McElvain saw what was happening and came to help, but the shark struck again, latching onto Temple and pulling him and Gilliam down into deep water. According to Gilliam's account, Temple had by this time lost a huge amount of blood and tissue. He stopped fighting. Gilliam assumed he was dead, but after a moment he began to fight the sharks again. They backed off, circling. The men sought the meager shelter of the reef. As Gilliam watched the sharks, they ate the body parts floating in the water, including a recognizable portion of Temple's leg. Temple shook his head and pushed Gilliam away to signal his resignation. But Gilliam wasn't ready to abandon him. He tried to take hold of Temple's waist harness. That's when he discovered the sharks had already disemboweled his friend. Guinea worm. There's a swelling on a woman's foot, like a pecan embedded under the skin. The pain is intense. She bathes it in the river to ease the burning. On the second day, the blister bursts. From its ruin, something like a soggy strand of spaghetti protrudes. The next time the woman dips her foot into the water, the strand writhes and whitens the water with a milky fluid, eggs released. Let's say the woman is lucky enough to have access to a doctor. He gives her drugs for the secondary infection brewing in the remains of the blister. He tapes the worm to a pencil. Every day, he takes two turns on the pencil, wrapping another inch of the worm around it. He dare not pull too fast for fear of tearing the worm apart. If that happens, surgery is the only way to extract the rest of it. An inch or so a day, the worm may be two, three, or even four feet long.